0: Amen. Well, i entitled this message, um, Importunity. You know, there's many false ideas about prayer. There's many false teachers who will teach you things about prayer that are not correct and are not right and you will not find them in a Bible. And yet there are many people. Who will teach you wrong things concerning prayer, but not only that many people in our world pray today. There's so many people who pray, even non Christians pray. I fear that Saturday night, lottery time, I fear that the most of our nation are all praying, waiting and hoping that the numbers come up. I'm sure non believers do a lot of praying. Every hospital is a prayer chapel. I went into one the other day. And I went into that prayer chapel as a book where people can write their prayers down. And I can tell they weren't Christians writing their prayers down, but they were still making the effort to write their prayers in a book, even though they may never enter into a place of worship. Sadly, with the thing going on in Paris... We know that many people around the world are just praying. Never prayed really. But they will write things on the internet hashtag praying for Paris. Or they would say things like that and 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 they're praying. But not really praying correctly. But when I look into the church. The church of Jesus Christ seemed to be lost in the whole idea of prayer. People teach things that are not correct. People say things that are not biblical. And they put it all out into the church and say, this is how you should pray. But actually, you won't find it in the Bible. It's twisted. It's, um, it's, it's, it's taken out of context. It's, it's wrong. And so, uh, before I enter into the passage, I want to tell you two things about the false teaching on prayer that you might have heard. The first thing that you might heard before in prayer is this. Name it, claim it. That teaching goes something like this. If you name something in prayer, tell God exactly what you want, tell God exactly what it is, and whatever you tell God, then by faith, claim it as yours. I have, I've heard people naming crazy things. i heard people naming cars. Lord, BMW 3 Series 1965 plate. And they prayed it and they named it and they're going to claim it. I've people going into houses on viewing 10-bedroom mansions. And as they walk through the house, they're saying, Lord, this kitchen is mine in Jesus' name. This living room is mine. And every time I put my foot somewhere, I belong to me in Jesus' name. And they're claiming houses in Jesus' name. We may smile at that because it is quite ridiculous really, but it's dangerous as well. Kim and I went into a church. As we visited this church, there was this church and everybody was, was sad in this church. We found out that During a service in that church a few um, weeks ago, a child was dying of some kind of illness. And in this church, people was naming it and claiming it. They was naming that this child would be healed, naming that this child would not die. And they were saying all these things in the church. When we got there, sadly, the child did die. Everybody was broken. You know what? In a few weeks' time, a few weeks' time after that, we went there, the whole church closed down. People were broken and disappointed. Dangerous teaching. Dangerous. Ruining churches and ruining lives. And yet, many, many churches still hold on to that. You can name it and you can claim it in Jesus' name. That is false. Another false teaching that I've come across over the years is positive Confession. Here it is. Positive confession. This goes something like this. If you speak things out enough times, and you really believe it, in fact, if you picture it in your mind and be positive... Get rid of negative people. Don't hang out with negative people. Negative people can ruin your prayers. Surround yourself with yes people, positive people, and pray and positively confess what you want, and God will give it to you. I've heard of a young African man, after praying like this, he went into his church and he went to a young lady and he said, I've been praying and God has told me that you are to be my wife. And he said, I'm positive about that. I've positively confessed it in Jesus' name. I claimed the thing that is not, I say is. And God says, you're going to be my wife. The poor girl had to call her dad. So when prayers like these go wrong, when prayers like these go wrong, and they do go wrong, the people who teach that have to blame somebody don't they? Who can they blame? Well they can't blame God so they don't blame God they can't blame themselves because they are meant to be the voice of God. So who do they blame? They blame the poor person who didn't pray hard enough they, they blame the poor person who didn't get the car who didn't get the house the poor person who lost their child, they blame that person, and say, well, because you didn't pray, because you didn't have enough faith, if only you had believed more, then God will have answered your prayers. These false teachers, you will see them on TV. You will hear them and read their books in the Christian bookshops. They're all about the place teaching that about prayer, which is taking God's word out of context, twisting it, isolating it, and saying things out of balance, which brings damage to many Christians. That's why prayer is so important. That's why being with believers and praying with Christians is so important, because it helps us to ground our praying in the word of God. And so Jesus now looks at this passage and he wants to bring an understanding about prayer to his people. Well, the story that he gives in Luke chapter 11, he gives a story and in this story, he speaks of a man who um, has a visitor that comes to his house and he has no food to set before his friend. Now in England, you come to someone's house in England, you'd be lucky to get a tea and biscuit. But if you go to Pakistan, or like what me and a few other guys, we went to um, um, Barcelona and we went to some of the Pakistani Christians out there. You go to their houses and man, they am telling you they will roll out the red carpet for you. They might not have a lot of money, but there's food. They will make sure you eat and eat and eat. And if you say, I have no, I've got no more room, they will still bring more food to you. Because it's their culture in order to provide and to bless anyone who comes to their house. You come to my house, you might not even get a biscuit. But in the culture, and this man had the same thing a friend came to his house in the middle of the night. And he had no food to lay before him. And so he goes to a friend, he bangs on the door, he knocks, and he says, you know, a friend come through, could you please give me something to to set before him? And the story ends with a man coming down and giving him as much as he needs. Three things then about this story that I want you to, to hear this morning. Three things. The first thing I want you to hear this morning is about relationship. You see, this whole Bible passage that we have before us is all about relationships. The whole Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, it's all about our relationship. With God. I want to tell you this morning if you are not a born again Christian this morning, you haven't got a right relationship with God. You cannot call Him Father, and He cannot call you my Son. If you're not born again walking with Christ, you have not got a right relationship with God the Father. You need to be born again. You need to have Jesus living inside your heart. You need to be born of the spirit of the living God to be able to have a right relationship with God. It's all about relationship. And Jesus set this story in a relationship. So let's look at it in a a verse here. He says, then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me Three loaves of bread. It was a friend who this man went to. There was a friendship there. They had a relationship. This man was not a stranger knocking on his door. This man was someone who knew him. And he came with a plea, asking him for help. Now Jesus turns around. Look what Jesus says in his word. He turns around and he says this. In Proverbs one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. There is a friend, says Jesus, who sticks closer than a brother. In fact, when he spoke to the disciples, he said to them, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life For one's friends, you are my friends if you do what I command. Jesus says this to you this morning, I have laid down my life for you. No one else has gone to the cross. No one else has taken the the whips. No one else has taken the crown of thorns. No one has taken abuse and insult. No one has hung on a tree for you except for me. I have laid down my life for you, says Jesus. And I'm calling you my friend. And there's a part there which says, if you do what I command. You know, some young boys and girls join gangs. And they join gangs in order to be a part of a a community. And in their gangs, they want to do what the gang members want want them to do and one guy I've read the story of one guy who was part of a gang and he was, felt like they were his family and the gang members said to him go and shoot that boy over there and he, and he did that he got a gun he went over and he shot this young guy didn't kill him but he shot him as soon as he shot him all of his friends left him he was on his own got arrested Jesus says, I'm your friend. I want you to do what I want you to do. I want you to do the things that I want you to do. The things that are not evil and wicked, but things that will bring glory and praise to my Father in heaven. And he says, I've laid down my life for you. I've died for you. Therefore, you can call upon me. Anytime, day or night, this is what the Lord says, he who made the earth, the Lord who formed it, And establish it. The Lord is his name. Call to me. Call to me. Call to me. And I will answer you. That is a friend that you have. That is someone, if you are born again, truly saved. You have a friend in Jesus. I love the old hymn, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. You have a friend in Jesus. So this story is about relationship. This man had a friendship with the guy who knocked on the door. That's the first thing. The second thing that I want you to see about this story, was well, this man was reaching out. He was reaching out. Let's go the Bible verse again, what it says. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. Look what Jesus says. You go to him at midnight. When I was a youngster, I used to um, like to have midnight feast. You know, we used to sort of like get our crisps and our our biscuits together and get it at 6 o'clock together ready for midnight. I couldn't even make it to 10 o'clock. You know, and I was fast asleep before midnight came. But midnight was really late when you was a kid. Really, really late. And Jesus chose midnight because midnight was the darkest time. the night. There was nothing around. There was no light in anyone's home. There was nothing. No one walking down the street. There was no shop open. It was midnight. There was nothing at all. This man's options for getting food was absolutely zero. It was midnight. He had no option but to go to his friend's house and knock on the door. You know, our prayers are more earnest when we have no options. You know that. Our prayers are more earnest when we look around and there's no one else that we can turn to. No one else we can speak to. No one else we can get help from. And then our prayers are far more earnest, far more persevering, far more persistent When we have no one else except God to turn to. You know, I know people who try everything else but God. You know that? People will try everything else. They will speak to everyone else except God. They will take everyone's advice except for looking at the Bible. And when things begin to crumble, when things begin to dissolve, when things begin to get really from bad to worse... Then they pray. Often it's too late. God gave the answer two months ago, but they weren't listening to God's answer. They were too busy trying to work out their own solution to the problem. But you know, God turns around and he wants you to come to him first. You know the story of that lady who had the issue of blood? The Bible says, this woman who was bleeding internally, the Bible says that she spent all her money in in everything else, all the doctors. She spent everything she had. And instead of getting better, she grew worse. The only time she got better is when she went to Jesus. She went to the wrong places. Now, I like blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus was a man who didn't go anywhere else. He was blind. He was at the roadside. And we read that when blind Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was coming, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. When blind Bartimaeus realized that Jesus was coming, he didn't ask anyone else for help. He called out to Jesus. And people turned around and said, be quiet. Jesus is not interested in you. You're a tramp. Your old man, you you know, you're stay where you are. But this man, instead of being put off, the Bible says he cried out all the more Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And his voice raised up above the crowd Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. His prayer was persistent, was earnest, was bold. And Jesus heard him and say, "Bring him to me. Call him. These false teachers, these men on the TV, whoever they may be, they would like you to avoid Jesus and come to them. Put a seed in the pot there, put a, you know, get a pot there, put some money in my little pot right here, and then God will answer your prayer. Come to me. Buy my books. You know, I'm preaching. The, look, I've got a few books for you to buy. Put some money in my ministry, and then God will answer your prayer. No, no, no. Jesus will say, Come straight to me. Bypass men. Go past the, 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 the money makers. Go past the false teachers. Go straight to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Like blind Bartimaeus Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. My dear friends, are you running to Christ? Are you running to Christ? I said at the beginning beginning of the service, don't wait for a problem to run to Christ. Don't wait for a Paris situation to happen in London before you run to Christ. Don't wait for problems and difficulties to arise in your life, then run to Christ. No, don't wait for hardship to come Run to Christ now. Learn to pray now. Learn how to seek him now when the sun is shining in your life. Learn how to spend time with him now when everything is rosy in your garden. Learn how to pray now. Praise be to God. reaching out to him, we need to reach out to him and this man in this story he reached out to Christ, the first thing and the final thing I want to say if he was bold the King James used the word here, I say unto you though he will not rise and give him because he's his friend, yet because of his importunity That's a funny word, isn't it? We don't use that word anymore. Because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. That word importunity is a very good word. The reason why I left it there is because it's more than just being bold. This man was not just bold. This man was earnest in his request. This man was persistent in his request. This man was persevering in his waiting. He didn't come to the door, knock a few times and wait for an answer and didn't get it and so he left. No, he, was, he came with a, an earnestness and as he knocked on that door, he wasn't going to go. He was going to stay because he knew that in that house was a friend. And he knew that in that house was a friend who was willing to give him what he needed. He knew it. He also knew that if he turned away from that door, there was nowhere else to go. And so he stayed outside the door. And Jesus said, his importunity, he was there constantly. And the owner of the house, his friend, finally said, If I don't get up, this man's gonna wake the whole house. If I don't get up, this man's gonna wake the whole street. If I don't get up, I have to give him everything he needs. So he came down the stairs and gave him not just one loaf, he gave him as much as he needed. Praise God. Now hear the word of God. Look what the Lord says in Hebrews. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The Lord says here, I want you to come into my presence in prayer. How do you come into God's presence in prayer? Do you come into his presence timidly? Come into his presence with, I'm not too sure if he's going to receive me. No, the Bible says, let us come boldly into his presence. Why can you come boldly? Is it because you're intellectually high and and wonderful or because you've got great letters after your name? No, you can come into his presence boldly because Jesus has made the way possible the curtain has been torn in two and the way is open so you can come into the presence of God boldly. And as you come into his presence, it says this, it's a throne of grace. And you can find grace to help in a time of need. Paul turns around and says about grace, he says this, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Let me tell you something, sometimes God does not answer the prayers that you're praying the way you want the prayers to be answered. Sometimes you're praying for a prayer And the false teacher will say, name it and claim it. Name it and claim it. They will turn around and say, positive confession. But sometimes you come into prayer and God does not give you what you have been praying for. But instead, he gives you grace to go through the thing that you want to get out of. He gives you grace and more grace and strengthens you. So even though you want to avoid the pain, even though you want to avoid the sorrow, even though you want to avoid the situation, even though you want something because you feel they're going to help you to get through life, Jesus says, I'm not going to give it to you, but what I am going to give you is grace to get you through that difficult period of your life. That's why it is the throne of grace. But not only that, let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy. You know, God may well answer your prayer. God may well answer your request. You might be praying for something. You might be praying for a car, you might be praying for a house, you might be praying for a healing in your life, you might be praying for someone else to be healed, and God, by his mercy, answers your prayer. He's able to do that, you know. He answers your prayer. But he answers it out of his mercy. You don't deserve it at all. You can't turn around and say, I prayed enough. I had enough faith. I fasted. I read my Bible every day. And because I've done it all right, God answered my prayer. No. No. He answers your prayer. Not because you deserve it. But because of his mercy. Let us approach. Let us boldly approach the throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy in our time of need. God, the Bible says, is rich. He's rich in mercy. That's what the scripture says. And when you come to him in prayer, he has mercy enough to pour into your life and to strengthen you. So in conclusion... How is your praying? What is your praying like? Should I ask, do you pray? Do you call out to him? Do you seek his face? Is prayer high on your agenda? Do you find time to shut down and say, TV off, radio off, telephone put down, iPad, computer off. I'm going to spend time seeking God. Do you sit down on a Wednesday night and say to yourself, well, it's 7 o'clock tonight? I can squeeze Coronation Street in and, and, and Crossroads. Probably not come on TV anymore. I'm not sure where they come out. No. I can squeeze in EastEnders. But you know what? It's a double portion today, and I'm not going to go to church to pray. I'm going to stay put till 8 30, 9 o'clock. Because prayer is not that important. I can pray at home. Yes, you can pray at home, but the Bible said, and I thank Sue for sending me that verse, let us not give up together, let us, let us not, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Thank you, Jill. Let us encourage one another. Do you know what? The prayer meeting has been such an encouragement. People have been coming out of the prayer meeting saying, I feel alive. Well, Why? Because others are joining in and others are crying out to God together as a group of men and women who love the Lord. If this church is going to change, it has to be men and women who have this importunity about them. That have an earnestness. That have a persistence. That have a perseverance in the presence of God. And when they do come and they begin to knock... And God says, keep on knocking for a while longer. And we carry on knocking. Carry on knocking. God says, I'm going to give you as much as you need. I'm going to pour out a blessing upon you. That my grace will get you through the trials that lay ahead. Or it might be personal trials. You might be going through a very difficult time in your family. Difficult time in your marriage, difficult time with your children, difficult time with your finances. But God says, I will pour enough grace into your life to get you through. But also he says, I'll pour enough grace in your life because if the church comes under attack and people die for being a Christian in the UK, I will give you grace to get through that as well. I will give you grace. Keep on knocking, keep on praying. Keep on seeking. I will give you as much as you need to get you through this life. Church, God is calling you today to be a woman of prayer. God is calling you today to be a man of prayer. You may say, But I don't know how to pray. Open your mouth and speak to God. Open your mouth. And speak to God, and He will hear you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we understand from the story that this man had nowhere else to go. It was midnight, he had nowhere else to turn. And I remember the words of Peter when he says, Lord, where can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We can go nowhere else. We cannot turn to anyone else. No one else has the authority or the power that you have. No one else has the grace and the mercy that you have. No one else has the compassion and the love that you have. Lord God Almighty, there's nowhere else we can go as a church. Father, the day is getting darker, Lord. The society is getting more wicked, oh God. Father, there's nowhere else we can go. And Lord, forgive us, Lord, where prayer has become something which we add on occasionally, maybe before a meal, or maybe before we go to bed. But Lord, you're calling us again to cry out to you in prayer. Father in heaven, pour a spirit of prayer upon this place we ask of you give the church a hunger again Lord to call upon you to lay hold of you to say with the prophet of old I won't let you go I won't let you go until you bless me oh God in heaven work powerfully in this house we pray we desperately, earnestly need you. Man has let us down time and time again. Man has been a failure time and time again. We dare not trust man. But we turn to you afresh and place our trust in you. Hear our cries, O oh God. We're knocking on on your door this morning. I pour your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name. Amen. Should I ever be abandoned? Should I ever be acclaimed? Should I ever be surrounded by the fire and the flame? There's a name I will remember, there's a name I will proclaim. Oh, let it be, let it be, Jesus. And should I ever be abandoned, should I ever be acclaimed? Can I ever be surrounded by the fire and the flame. There's a name I will remember. There's a name I will prop-